As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about Shaden Sharp declaring for the NBA draft, why this is really big for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and why a lot of early entry candidates are going to be huge for them. The deadline passed yesterday. I'll be talking about the late entrances and kind of their potential impacts at the next level. And then I'm going to be talking about what Oklahoma City needs. We know that they have a couple holes they will need to fill up in this draft. I'll be ranking my top three and kind of what we can expect going into draft night. And to top it all off, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things out with Shaden Sharp, guys. This has been an ongoing story for months now. He was the number one recruit in the 2022 um, high school class. And he was playing, actually, high school ball this year. He was working over at Dream City Christian, a prep high school in, um, in Glendale, to begin uh, the fall semester. But then... He ended up withdrawing from the school and committing to Kentucky in September. So I think he officially enrolled back in January. But, you know, he left the high school ranks back in September. He was obviously there for a fifth year. Uh, and it looks like that he was going to be ineligible to actually declare for the draft. But as we have found out, and as we found out back in uh, January, he was eligible to be in the 2022 NBA draft class. And with Kentucky, you never saw him outside of shoot-around or the sidelines. He didn't step foot on a college basketball game, but the hype was always there for him. The five-star ranking never shed, and everyone knew the kid was talented, right? But there was no commitment from him as to whether he was going to be joining the NBA draft class or sticking around with Kentucky next year. Earlier last week, we had a report from Global Scouting that he was actually going to be ineligible for the draft, which is a complete 180 from what we've heard for the last three months, but it started picking up traction to the point that I actually thought it was true as well, and you know, with him, I've been following him for a couple months now. I'd say he's a fairly credible guy in the like Twitter draft space, and everyone kind of makes those mistakes on reporting sometimes. With me, I've reported basically exclusively OKC Blue stuff. I've had a few NBA stories, but I'm not doing it unless I know basically pen to paper what is going on Um, and just kind of how it goes, right? But, you know, nothing against him. I think that, you know, he was probably jumping out of his seat when he heard this story. Had Shaden Sharp been ineligible, that would have been a major break. So you kind of understand the mindset. He did clear it up. He said he talked to... Uh, Sharp's family he apologized and he said that he had heard um, that he failed an NBPA testing which uh, would have left him out but looks like he's good so he has officially declared he's going to be part of that player pool and it's going to be major 
He's turning 19 years old next month, six foot six, 190 pounds. Actually, now he's 201 pounds, uh, but he's going to slot in at that shooting guard position, and he's expected to be in the high lottery as it currently stands. Here's what you need to know on Sharp as of right now. I didn't do enough scouting on him, and I haven't done enough scouting on most of these top-level prospects just yet. Extensively, I'm going to be going in over the next probably two weeks working on ironing out some of those videos like I had uh, last draft cycle. But he is a top-tier athlete. That's what always stood out. You know, when you're playing high schoolers, a lot of the times the defense is not going to be there. He's playing in prep level. He's playing in, you know, like the AAU circuit. So it's going to be up a bit. But it's clearly not going to be at that NBA level. Oftentimes, you saw him as a role man, right under the basket, two-handed standing dunk. He was always going to be there, and he could fly off of two feet. It's very special. I don't think we're going to see Shaden Sharp as a guy standing under the rim much uh, as an NBA guy, but it's nice to see he has it in his bag, and it really lets you know the verticality that he has. He's more of a backdoor specialist, though. I think that if you're going to play him in a corner, he's lethal because he has the acceleration necessary. If he gets that half step on you with someone like Josh Giddy or someone like SGA potentially being a teammate, if he lands with OKC, that is nightmare fuel. You're going to be able to knife those passes inside and he's able to get those angles, not just to rise up for dunks, but he is very crafty when it comes to finishing around the basket. I oftentimes talk about parachuting down off of layups. Hamadou Diallo was kind of given that characteristic when he was on the team two seasons ago. You know, you'd see him jump maybe a step or two inside the free throw line and he'd get met at the apex of his jump. But instead of forcing the layup off, you know, as he was at that peak, oftentimes you saw him kind of cock the ball back to make sure it didn't get blocked. And he just kind of sit in midair because his defender's going to fall down a bit faster. He kind of has the momentum. So he's going to remain at that higher point, you know, over time. And then he's able to launch those layups where he did have a high success rate. I think that's something that we'll see Shaden Sharp excel at, at the next level. And it's not just kind of those like bang, bang plays where he's getting right in the grill of somebody. You know, if you're looking for like a, a reverse layup guy or someone who's able to massively change their shot off of like a gather you're looking at shade and sharp as one of those prospects easily looks to be the best finisher i've evaluated thus far now this is from the guard position of course Jaden ivy has to be up there too um, but yeah if you're looking at an interior presence someone who's gonna really dominate the paint sharp checks those boxes then you get to the shooting he has that three level shooting potential now with uh, you know, his academies over the last few years, the three ball was not insane in terms of statistics. He does have decent form on his jumper. I wish it was a little bit faster and he's a bit inconsistent as well, but when he's on, he's really on and he's able to get locked and loaded, not just from like a catch and shoot perspective, but you're talking NBA threes. He's draining it, passing the timeline. When he goes up, he has a pretty nice turnaround jumper. He can get operating in the mid-range as well. And that's when you get into those 20-point tangents where you can really take over the game. And I think that's what NBA scouts really want to see. I think he does have a bit of a, a wavering factor there. I don't know if he's solidified just yet as a 
shooter, but he has shown glimpses of it, which I think is big, and that's obviously why you put him in the lottery category. Kind of the last thing to round up his offensive game comes from ball handling. He has a nice between the legs and uh, a nice behind the back, actually, that gets him into some of his three-pointers. He has a step back in his arsenal. It's not the fastest. It doesn't generate the most space, but it did yield positive results, at least against high schoolers. Does it translate? We'll see. But I don't think you see him as the primary ball handler. And when he's on, though, and he's starting to score, you definitely do want to open the keys up because he can take you on one-on-one situations. Defensively, he's still a high flyer. Just as you saw with the standing dunks, he can get you with some chase down blocks. Um, And that's kind of where we are on that. As I talked about, this was one of my more quick touch-up scouting evaluations. Nothing like what I've done uh, last year. I want to get those out, though as I mentioned. So just know this is a three-level scoring prospect with a very high ceiling, it looks like. I wanted to throw out the comparison of uh, a Jalen Green almost, just not as fast. I don't want to mark myself into that just yet. I think in terms of the finishing ability, though, he is very reminiscent of Jalen Green. He's able to hang in that uh, in the air. When it comes to alley-oops, his head can get to rim level, and in transition, he's also a very big force to deal with. So this puts him in a position to where he could go maybe as high as number four. I've seen as high as three in some cases. Kind of just comes down to who's going to be drafting at what position because you kind of have that solidified top four, it appears, in Chet, Jabari, Paolo, and Jaden. It could crack though with Shaden Sharp just because of how kind of enamoring he is as a prospect when you go down to pick number five it's a whole new tax bracket I think that Sharp is number five right now in terms of what you'd want and for a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder if they're not able to get lottery luck and they're not able to trade into the top four if you're going based on ceiling this could be the pick in Sharp there are going to be some hoops to jump through just because he is basically only going to play the two for you and OKC has started to fill up those point guard positions and shooting guard positions like nobody's business but if you're looking to shoot for the stars and go for the highest uh, potential hit Sharp definitely is going to ring the bell and even for teams that could go ahead of OKC and could fall into the top four if they already have the small forward and power forward position locked up and they need a shooting guard, I could see them going with Sharp over Jaden Ivey, as crazy as it sounds right now. I think the stock will continue to rise with Shaden. Uh, we'll have to look and see, and we'll have to see where OKC is, honestly, because I think that dictates kind of the prospects and the overall board that we might find at their two lottery selections. I want to talk a little bit about OKC's draft situation and some of the other prospects we could be looking into in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. 
Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg does not hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TB. PN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Going along with this one, though, guys, if you want to check out on the Twitter realm, uh, the Basketball Podcast Network, please do so at HoopsPodNet. They have an NBA gift card giveaway currently going on, $100 gift card for the NBA store. Literally, all you have to do is tag two of your friends, retweet uh, the, the tweet, and follow them. And right now, you definitely could get in on that action and potentially come out with a free Thunder jersey. So it's a really good deal. Uh, just make sure to check all that out and um, see if you can get, uh, get a good win. And same goes for DraftKings Sportsbook with their offer. Can't really go wrong with playoff season. Looking at the game from yesterday, oh, there were multiple good games. But the Suns versus Timberwolves that is such a good series right now or Suns versus Pelicans my goodness you're looking at Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones they are just breaking out Jose's like steel in the the backcourt <laughs> against Chris Paul it wasn't working at first now it kind of is and Herb you might want to put that block he had in the corner on a statue that man flew up the length is ridiculous I think he had a, he at least had two blocks because he had another one very similar to that in the fourth quarter. But man, they are playing with really no pressure whatsoever. They're just running into the Suns. Looks like that they aren't showing a ton of respect. Like I know Jones got knocked to the deck. He refused to get picked up by Chris Paul. He waited for one of his teammates. You know, they're looking to play some mind games and they're looking to be the aggressors with Devin Booker out. The free throw disparity was something last night. I will say the Pelicans were clearly more aggressive, but I think it was 42 to 17. That is crazy. We'll have to see what game five holds because that has to be the most entertaining playoff series right now. Nuggets Warriors was a great one as well, but you cannot beat the action we are seeing from Brandon Ingram and the Pels. Ingram might be the hottest player in the NBA playoffs right now, and I'm not even joking when I say that. Anyways, though, kind of veering back to the Thunder perspective and what they have. You have the projected number four pick, projected number 12 pick, and then that number 30 pick from the Suns, and even pick number 34 you have from just their own second round pick. You can package 30 and 34 as some sort of consolidation. We saw that last year. That's how they got Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 32. Maybe that gets you to like 27 or 26, depending on the team. And same could go with that number 12 pick, maybe, if you want to try to jump up the board, package number 12 and some future first. But 
you still have to look at the board and you have to look at some potential players. Talked about Shade and Sharp going into the draft. There were various other players that entered their name in over the last week. I want to break some of those down. There were guys like Chet who put their name in like early, early last week. We kind of knew who was going to be there. These are more of the late decisions, came in the final 48 hours and surprised some people. AJ Griffin kind of starts that list off. He's a potential lottery pick. I've seen in some instances sort of the the bracket between the second tier and the third tier I've seen on most mock drafts. I'll have to kind of do my due diligence on it. I've heard people very high on him and people very low on him. Just know he's a 6'6 small forward. Should be able to bring you a punch on both ends of the ball. O'Shea Abaji should also be in that lottery area. I'd say his range is from 12 to 21. I could see him being just a, a mid first round pick and that's that. Whenever I was doing work for Oklahoma State this year, I was able to uh, watch that Kansas game. I think Abaji was in the, the press conference room as well for some questions. I don't know if it was a great game from him, but the overall palette is a defensive-oriented wing who can hit some three-point shots. A little bit up there in age. I believe he's 22 years old right now, but if you're looking to get... Uh, kind of that win now piece at the two. I could definitely see Abaji being on somebody's uh, draft list. Kind of breaking from them though. You go into those mid to late first round picks. As we know, sometimes when you look at the late first round, there's those people just oozing with potential. Typically, they're not going to get picked in the late first round, though. Zaire Williams from the Memphis Grizzlies is the biggest example. Joshua Primo is also another one. Zaire and Joshua were not supposed to be lottery picks. I thought Primo was a maybe a, a number 20 pick or something. I think I had him graded probably late first, early second round. And Zaire Williams was not that far off. I think he was in the 20s for me. Zaire goes at 10, Primo stays in the lottery with San Antonio, and Zaire worked out well, Primo still has some room in the growth plates, he was the youngest guy in the draft class, doesn't turn a 20 until December, I believe, so yeah, if you like a prospect and you believe there is something long term with them, they're never going to go into the 20s, and I firmly believe in that, there's a group of three here though, that are intriguing. You got Patrick Baldwin Jr. from Milwaukee. He was one of the top five guys going into college. He was insane at the high school level, sort of that point forward, perfect NBA guy. And then he went to Milwaukee to play under his dad. Did not play great with Milwaukee, didn't play that much, and now his draft stock has plummeted. I still think based off of the tape, Maybe you think you can sort of resuscitate his abilities and get him back to that really high plane level because he's a McDonald's All-American. He has shown to rise up against high-level competition. Just didn't happen playing in college, and he really just struggled everywhere, to be honest. But if you think this is a good place and a good environment, I'd say take Patrick Baldwin at 30 or something, you know? I think the Thunder are in a spot where they could really use another one of those project pieces at the small forward spot. You assess the roster right now. They have a lot of those projects already. 
but I don't think a lot of them are necessarily at the small forward. You pushed a lot of the potential ones to the four. I'm talking Bays and Poku, and even someone like Veet, I think is probably a small forward, but I feel like he probably plays more too. Patrick Baldwin's playing the three for you, and he fits in because he's able to pass, but he also has that shot creation ability everyone really loves. Wendell Moore Jr. is also of that same breed where, you know, leaves after his freshman season, borderline first-round pick, seems to be some hype for him, and for me personally, I haven't done enough on Wendell. I say I've more, I've seen more tape on Patrick for sure, but maybe you go for him. The big one for me is Leonard Miller. And for a lot of people, Leonard Miller wasn't even on radars for this draft season. He was expected to go to college next year or go to the G League Ignite, five-star prospect out of Canada. Instead, he decided he would enter the draft. He still has the ability to opt out, of course, but he'll be drawing a lot of attention. And I think he'll be one of those players that is just evaluated by everybody. If you're looking to find gold, you're looking at Leonard Miller. Six foot ten. I've seen him as tall as six eleven. I've seen him as short as six nine. He's six ten in my eyes here. Six ten, roughly two hundred pounds. He's a high flying point forward, and he doesn't turn nineteen until November. One of the youngest guys in this draft class. And he played at a very high level. Looking at his film. He looks a lot like Darius Baisley, almost. He's a left-handed shooter, a little bit tall for his position, but he has a decent handle, a little bit of an inconsistent shooter, but the form does not look terrible. I don't know if you want another Darius Baisley on the Thunder. Like, Baisley has continued to improve and improve. I say definitely, because I think the archetype is very interesting. You got to think of... If the shot doesn't pan out, how does it work? Right now, I'm not sure it matters. He's 18 years old. If you see him at 30, I think that's a great swing because you need to get somebody from that position and you kind of want to source minutes at that three spot. I look at some gyms from last draft class. One of them I missed out on was Jalen Johnson. I forgot exactly where I pegged him on my big board. I think it was around the late teens to early 20s. And some people, if they did a redraft, might not even have him as a first round grade. But that's because they were not watching G League basketball. Him and Sharif Cooper were balling out with College Park this year. That is the Hawks affiliate with them. They had Cooper, Johnson, and then even Justin Tillman. He was one of the best centers in the G League this year. Yeah, they had a really good trio, and you saw a ton of games where Johnson was just destroying from all three levels. You saw him as a ball handler. You saw him working in space as a distributor. Three-point shots were looking good. When he slashes to the basket, I mean, he's 6'9". He's very shifty as well. So, yeah, he looked like a five-star prospect, and it looked like he was kind of playing above the competition level. The Hawks couldn't play him though. They already have so many different guys and they just got Kevin Knox too as sort of another small forward who was in a bad situation earlier. Now, I don't think you ever think Kevin Knox is going to be the turning point in whether Jalen Johnson plays, but it lets you know like 
they're kind of backlogged already. Cooper sort of was in that same spot. You have Trey Young there and DeLon Wright right behind them. So they just had to stick around at the G League, and they didn't really get to show their next level ability, kind of like what we saw in OKC, where even just OKC blue guys in general got to play 40 plus minutes for a week. No big outlet, but I'll tell you what, he is a very good project piece now. And, you know, if OKC got a call from the Hawks saying they want to offload Johnson, I'd say you'd inquire about it because he does have some very good abilities. I heard that a lot of his issues came from just like his personality and such. I haven't heard anything this year about that though. So I really like him. Same goes with Sharif. Anyways, Leonard is sort of like the Jalen Johnson of this draft class, minus the like potential anger issues or whatever it was. He's just that like really lengthy big. The potential is right in front of your face, but you didn't get to see that college tape that everybody really wanted to watch. You know, with um with Johnson, he did play college, but it was all for like seven games. And it was like those openers against low to mid-tier Division One teams. You don't have much tape on Leonard, but I think that through his time playing with like Canada basketball and some of his other outlets, you can get a good gauge on where he might be. You know, he's basically a redshirt freshman. Look at him as a McDonald's All-American. OKC, they've been putting a lot of marbles into this 2023 free agency and draft class. It sounds like Leonard should be good to go by 2023. Maybe you put him with the blue for a little bit to get him used to the system and pop him right back up. Really good as a potential home run hit, though. As for second rounders, there's not as much action here because I don't expect OKC to be using late second rounders. Now, they got Aaron Wiggins out of it last year, so you never know. But there were a bevy of like upperclassmen. Adam Flagler from Baylor's one of them. He shot about 40% with the Bears this year. And then Hung Jung Lee from Davidson. He has been kind of regarded as like a late first. I think now he's dropped down to like a a second round pick here. I'm very interested to see where he ends up kind of falling. Um, I think he's strictly more of like a 2-3, but he's really good at shooting the basketball. And he could work out as maybe one of those cogs that you throw in for 15 minutes, see if he can hit maybe a couple threes uh, to get things going. Might be more of a G League guy to get his feet wet, but kind of what you're looking for in the second round anyways to see kind of where they would go that was sort of my breakdown on some of the new guys like I said I think the the big new entrance would probably be Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Leonard Miller obviously Shade and Sharp's number one but like seeing those guys that have super high ceilings for a team in OKC that is looking to fulfill some pretty big hopes moving on to what they need to check off though Put off three different things that I think need to be addressed. Probably the exact same three from last year. And I don't know if they actually addressed them all this season. Presti gave that story, or I guess an analogy of like a shirt, in the case of Jeff Green and Kendrick Perkins. That came from yesterday's podcast. Make sure to listen to that if you have not. Had a lot of very good quotes. But long story short, he said when they were that 50-win team, Second season in OKC, they had a good core, but the front court had some issues. You had Jeff Green and Enad Kristic. Right behind Jeff Green, you had Serge Ibaka just continuing to grow. Ibaka, almost over 
took Jeff Green, right? And they still needed a center. So he moved Jeff Green off to get Kendrick Perkins. The story was, why get a a t-shirt in a size small when in a couple years you're going to need a large? That small size t-shirt's not going to fit anymore, and that's going to create some problems. I don't know if he was calling Jeff Green a small t-shirt and Kendrick Perkins a big one, but basically... He's saying that he would rather wait and get someone he believes fills that large shirt than picking up a guy that he knows will be a small or a medium, but he's never going to hit that large or like elite level that you'll need to compete at the very highest level. The center spot is the biggest issue here. Their only true five is Derek Favors, and it looks like he's picking up his option. Might just be here for one more year. After that, Mike Muscala is your second best traditional center. But once again, how long is he going to be sticking around? You do not have the long-term center yet. You have players such as Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Isaiah Roby. Those aren't fives, though. You've started to see JRE work at the four. Roby's played anywhere from three to five the last two seasons. You want to hone in on getting that center prospect. Chet... Kind of is viewed as a power forward, in my opinion. If you bulk him up, maybe he becomes a five. Right now, I like him at that four. After that, what are you looking at at the center spot? Maybe Jalen Duran out of Memphis. Do you like him enough? If he's your guy, I guess that would be your large t-shirt. But if you're not looking at that elite crop and you're not really sold on anybody, I could see OKC just waiting another year and maybe getting a rental in the second round or something like that now last year was kind of similar to where Sengun was at their hands at 16 and then they got the call from Houston Sengun had a lot of hype surrounding him obviously he had a very good season with the Houston Rockets but they ended up trading that pick away in order to pick up future capital that kind of told me that maybe they weren't so sold sold on him and even for prospects that were there at 16 and 18 outside of Sangoon, you had someone like Kai Jones that you could have went for. Still elected against taking him though. And that's kind of where we're at. I think that they're willing to be patient and the five spot is the biggest issue of course, but why would you patch it up for short-term success whenever you can wait a year and have that long-term success? at that five position after that you go to three-point shooting this is one that i don't i don't think really works maybe the same you're always looking to get three-point shooting doesn't really matter the position and if you're a large you're a large if you're shooting an elite clip you're gonna check the box here and there are a lot of different guys like that in this draft class if you're looking to get three-point shooting But I'm not entirely sold on Presti putting a lot into that right now. I think that he's sort of looking to fill out this blueprint of like positionless basketball, everybody being able to pass at a high level, and he sort of filled in the gashes with getting three-point shooters. Aaron Wiggins, he was pretty good with the Terrapins. Lindy Waters became an excellent sharpshooter. I think if you're looking at the high parts of this board, it's more of those multi-positionals, multi-verse guys, as opposed to someone who's really good at shooting the three ball, but might be not so well in other areas. So yes, it's going to be lingering here. I think the three-point shot will be kind of their biggest issue, even after the center position, because 
you're going to have so many guys from the remaining team right now, and a lot of them are struggling to shoot. But also, you're going to gut the roster too. You're going to be kind of waiting to fill in players. You're going to need to get shooters in order to kind of get everything working. You look at how OKC plays, a lot of it comes down to those penetrations. If SGA doesn't have someone in the corner that can reliably hit the jump shot, it becomes a major issue. And it was an issue for sure this season. That's why we saw him kind of play bumper cars around the basket as often as he did. Going to my third and final one though, I think you need to figure out the rotation just in general. Think the point guard, shooting guard, and small forward position is what comes to mind for me. This is a not an, a negative though. This is more of there's a lot of potential on this team. You just sort of have to iron out how it's all going to work. Rotationally, you have SGA, Trey Mann, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, Aaron Wiggins, Veet Kredchi, Kenrich Williams, a lot of good options to pick from. And I think the most logical starting five, or I guess starting three, would be SGA at the one, Dort at the two, and Giddy at the three next year. That leaves Trey Mann on the bench, Kenrich Williams on the bench, Kredchi, and even Teo if he's still hanging around. But how does it all work? I don't think that you can make a, an assessment on them yet on how the dynamics will work between them. Uh, but you do have two guys that really love handling the basketball in SGA and Giddy. Uh, but Giddy needs to work on the three as a catch and shoot piece. SGA has proven he's a really good shooter, but he hasn't been at that level. I think Dort is just that perfect glue guy. What happens though if the top prospects at that three, four, and five position are wiped? Your options are Jaden Ivey and and like Shaden Sharp at pick number four. Do you just go after a different position? I don't think so. I think Presti just goes best player available. Let's say they take Ivy. Now what happens to the rotation? You have so many different guys that need the minutes and need the proper care. Are you going to be able to dispose all those minutes properly and make everybody develop accordingly? One of the things that has been brought up the last year is that potential is being stunted through these injuries. You know, SGA is not being able to play these full seasons. For some of these rookies, they're having their time cut short. Those reps playing together can really help build into the future. And it's definitely coming from a good mindset. I believe in that for sure. One thing that kind of floated around this year was those injuries that came about were not like genuine or whatever. Most definitely, I think they were. You know, for those like February injuries where a surgery was necessary, could you see some teams like waiting until the end of the season to have the surgery done? Definitely. You know, Veet was like that where he actually waited uh, to get the surgery and procedures done. But OKC was looking to develop. You don't want to go run the risk of a a stronger injury. So get that thing done and build for next season. Over time, I think you get things going one through three. But this is more from a place of, you know, what happens if you do need to add on another lottery prospect in the guard position? And how are you going to be able to make sure that everybody gets the right amount of reps and can all kind of form as one? We'll see how that goes. Lottery night is approaching us. I've seen a lot of tankathon spins going around. I might dabble into that. We'll see how it goes. I know I was sort of an addict like the final three days before lottery night. And then 
you know, you didn't see one and two or one and five going for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So maybe, just maybe OKC gets a little more lucky this time and you'll see a top prospect donning a Thunder jersey. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.